This is the Eastside Liquor Halftime Podcast. Oh, intermission. No, it's halftime. Stop by 9390 Rogers Avenue for the best liquor, beer, and wine deals in the River Valley. Arkansas wins the national championship! Check out Eastside Liquor on Facebook for weekly specials. Say goodbye! Darren McFadden, 80 yards, touchdown! morning it is halftime and we're happy to be with you here on espn arkansas and hit that line.com this is phil elson matt jones my partner and christian johnston producing the program today uh nice to be alongside for this wednesday show hope you're staying dry out there i know we've had some rain come through through our listening audience and uh, we got you for the next three hours uh here on halftime uh we'd seen we'd heard earlier in the week. I know last week Greg Brooks uh, left the LSU team for an undisclosed reason. Brian Kelly touched on it without giving the details and his Monday press conference referring to it as an emergency, a, a medical emergency. Uh, had to be, he was asked whether it was an emergency dealing with a family member or his own emergency. Turns out it was his own emergency and find out today uh, um, from a statement from Greg Brooks's family uh, that last week diagnosed with a brain tumor mm. and surgery on Friday to remove the mass. Uh, now they got to um, send it for a biopsy and, and, and hopefully uh, get really good news. Uh, but uh, that's, uh, that's really scary, really scary for somebody that uh, obviously I think our listening audience has a fairly close connection to as a former Razorback defensive back and returned home to play for LSU last year. I was looking forward to seeing him on the field. Uh, against the Razorbacks on Saturday at Tiger Stadium, but that will not be the case. Um, he'll be recovering, hopefully comfortably, and hopefully once that biopsy comes back, um, we know that, uh, that, 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 that that fight will be over. But uh, this, uh, this coming out, I guess it was about an hour and a half, two hours ago, uh, when the family announced the statement, quote, we are grateful for the work and care of the medical staff helping Greg through these challenges and for the concern and love poured out by so many in the Louisiana, Arkansas, and national sports communities. This means the world to us at a difficult time. Greg continues to fight, and we await further clarity on the extent of that battle. Scary situation there, Matt. And um, Greg Brooks is a really good football player. Um, he's been potentially the best LSU defensive back so far in their first three. And well, he didn't play last week, but the first couple of games, he played very well last year. And uh, now football takes a, a back seat uh, for a major fight that he's undertaking. Yeah, you know, thoughts and prayers for him uh, and his family. Uh, the, the, I guess the good thing is you're young. Uh, your body can kind of heal and, and, and kind of get through things. So hopefully uh, hopefully, nothing but good news. Mm-hmm. That's exactly right. Um, so we've already had so much uh, bad tragedy. It was a long summer. Involving yeah. Arkansas athletes. Uh, you know, there was, uh, you know, Patrick Woodruff just a couple of weeks ago, mm-hmm. former baseball player, just kind of kept that, that, uh, that keeps the string of tragedy going. So, uh, you know, they caught the, the tumor and removed it. And, and, and now, it's, uh, now it's a waiting game, you know, once the biopsy comes back and the results come back. So that, that's where we'll start halftime today on uh, a, a, bit of a, a bit of a depressing note, but hopefully it'll, uh, hopefully it'll be a recovery uh, for Greg Brooks Jr., uh, you got Arkansas LSU on Saturday. It's the earliest that this game has ever been played. These teams have played every year since 1992. And before that, I mean, they were uh, quite often a non-conference opponent. So used to playing in November when 
you're dealing with cold temperatures, potentially a little bit of snow or freezing rain or ice. Uh, I was at the 2018 LSU game uh, sitting close to down on the field. That was about as cold as I've ever been at a football game. Um, Wasn't really a, a good game, and I remember leaving a little bit early just to try to warm the feet up by walking on concrete for a while. Last year at Razorback Stadium, there was ice on the field. I mean, there was ice on the field, Matt, before you even... When, when, I, when I walked into the stadium, and my, my routine is to walk uh, at, the, at the entrance to the south end zone and then walk across the field, not right across the field, but on the sideline. And, um, and it's just something I've started doing for the last couple of years on my way to the, the pregame show radio area. I remember walking out there last year, or it was two years ago, and you're like, hold on a moment. This, the, the field looks a little bit shinier than it should. And the next thing I realized, they were, they were trying to remove the ice by turning on the sprinklers and melting the ice, and then they were going to try to shovel it off lickety-split, ended up creating more ice. They did have the playing surface ready to go by game time, but, I mean, this is, who knows? This, that may be the last time that these teams play in freezing cold temperatures last year. Well, and, and with the changing, uh, you know, with, with year one starting next year, who knows who's, who's on the constant, this constant schedule. If you're only going to get three permanent, they might not even be a permanent. You, you could go three or four years without playing them. That, that is true. I'm pretty sure Arkansas is on who, the schedule next year. Do, do we know how, how, who's going to be our permanent? Is it still a thing where there's going to be three? We don't know any of that yet. Okay. No, no. We just know what the schedule looks like next year. That's it. That's it. Uh, after that, we have no idea because, I mean, even Hunter Juracek referred to it at the uh, Touchdown Club a couple of days ago that, you, you know, we're still in this position in the SEC where you're sitting on an eight-game schedule at least for one more year. And then there's still that expectation that you increase the SEC workload to a ninth game. And, and so I think you've got to figure out how many league games you're going to play before they figure out who the permanent opponents are going to be. I'd like it to be LSU because this is usually an entertaining game, even in losses for the Razorbacks recently. It's mostly been in tight ones. But it's also been in cold temperatures. Well, you, you got to think you're going to get Texas or Oklahoma, probably Texas, if, if, you're, if you're guessing. Do you think we get Missouri still being that connection right there, being a trophy game? Then I don't know who our, who our third one would be. I will guarantee that, you're, that Arkansas will play Missouri mm-hmm. until the end of time. Mm-hmm. I don't think they're ever going to remove that, uh, that attempt at creating a rivalry. I think an Arkansas-Tennessee rivalry would be, uh, would be pretty good, would be a good one to, to have. I'm all about the bordering states. Yeah, you border a lot of states here yeah. in Arkansas too. So you got to pick, I guess, three of them for the permanent opponent coming up. Uh, but it's been a permanent opponent uh, for since 1992. So I mean, you're going on 30 years. This will be the 31st that these teams match up as as divisional opponents and as every year opponents. And uh, I mean, I'm I'm expecting, I'm hoping to see uh, to see Arkansas be able to. Pass block a little bit better. Uh, defensively, I think this is a really interesting matchup for Arkansas because this LSU team can really run the ball. It's not just Jaden Daniels. He's got some good. He's got good running backs behind him and a, an experienced offensive line that's been together for one full season. Now they're in their second season playing together. Daniels has shown himself to be well, maybe inconsistent still throughout the year because he he didn't look great in the first game against Florida State. 
he looked like a world beater against Mississippi State. I, you should, I, maybe, was, maybe in this case, you're never quite sure what you're going to get, even still week to week from him. He, he is kind of inconsistent. That, that, that is true. I, I think that Florida State game, uh, maybe he was pressing a little bit, being the first game of the year, being a better team, kind of, kind of having things slow down now that you, you got to that Mississippi State game. I would expect at home, under the lights, uh, I, I, I expect that kid to play good at, at, in Baton Rouge uh, on Saturday night. Well, I expect he will too. The, the thing about Daniels is even if he's an inaccurate passer, uh, he's still a dynamic runner no matter what. Well, there's talent all, all around. There, you're, you're right. There's receivers. He, he can get it to him. And, and at any time, he'll just take – and this is one thing Coach Wiki used to, to, to tell me, like going through your progressions, one, two, three. You know what the third progression is a lot of time is you take off running, you know, so it's mm -hmm. a one, two, and take off. Um, and and we, we struggled with this a little bit last week, I think, against BYU, Phil. Uh, if KJ doesn't like what he sees, you know, you take off on a first and 10 pass play and get seven. Now we're second and three. The entire playbook is open. We have to be better than three of 12, two of 12, whatever this was on third down against BYU. And then we can't give up 17 in a row. BYU scored 17 in a row to end the game. We let LSU get out and score 17 in a row. Uh, it's going to be a long night. LSU scored the first 24 against Mississippi State. And they lead the SEC in third down conversions. So that's a that's a that's an offense that's got the big play capability, also the ability to stay on the field and sustain some drives. And they can do it in multiple ways. So I mean it's it's a really dangerous club. You know that just because it's LSU. But I think this is the most dangerous offense that Arkansas has faced so far this year. Uh, it is the most dangerous offense that LSU has put together since the 2019 championship team. And uh, it's going to be a tough one for Arkansas. And a series that, although they have played fairly well over the last 12 years, still 3-9 and nine record uh, against LSU in those 12 years. And the last two wins, though, have come in Baton Rouge, which is kind of shocking when you think about it, including a night game in 2021 and uh, a win in 2015. We ran for almost 300 yards. I think Jimi Hendrix had a, had a song called Voodoo Child. It, it gets a little voodoo-y down there in Baton Rouge. Well, especially when the Tigers are good and it's a night game and you got people like Chris Fowler and Kirk Herbstreit on the call. That's the A-team. Yeah, the, the crowd will view themselves as the 13th, wow. you know, kind of the 12th it's, and 13th man all at the same time. Great atmosphere down there. My, my parents always said they had the, the best fans take, take care of you, so... Uh, it's going to be fun. It'll be a fun atmosphere. Well, I mean, I've seen some pretty rowdy atmospheres at LSU for, for women's basketball last year. Heck, you had, you had grown men dressing like Kim Mulkey in the crowd of over 9,000. Uh, the baseball crowd at LSU speaks for itself. It's never quiet, literally never quiet, even though I still don't trust the attendance numbers that they throw up there. I've been at Tiger Stadium for one football game, and it was not a vintage LSU team. And they weren't even allowed to sell out the crowd because of the pandemic. Things are a little bit different this year. Passion is something that exists in all of us. I know we got a lot of passionate Hog fans listening right now. And I know that all of you love football season. Dave Bushkill and his team over at Eastside Liquor are the exact same way. They can take care of all your tailgating and party needs. Whether it's just a few beers or alcohol in bulk. 
Stop by 9390 Rogers Avenue in Fort Smith to check off every item on your list. Eastside Liquor, your number one stop for Arkansas football this season. The Arlington Resort Hotel and Spa has everything you want for your next getaway. With the luxury and hospitality of a grand old southern hotel, the accommodations are sure to please everyone. Visit our thermal water bathhouse for mineral water baths and massages or enjoy one of our many dining options like our Friday night seafood buffet, primetime in a fountain room every Saturday night, or our award-winning Sunday brunch. Located in downtown Hot Springs, the Arlington is steps away from shopping, entertainment, bathhouse row, and the hiking and biking trails of the National Park. Visit ArlingtonHotel.com for more info. Bet Online is your number one source for all your betting needs. Get the latest odds, lines, and matchup reports for baseball, boxing, golf, and more. Bet Online continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers, including live betting and your favorite casino and card games available to play right from your phone. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and get in on the action. Remember to use our promo code BELIEVE that's B-L-E-A-V for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. The one and only, the Hall of Famer, former publisher and editor of Hogs Illustrated, Clay Henry, who is back in the natural state after a jaunt out west looking for elk. Clay, we missed you. How you been? How was the trip? Trip was glorious. It was a lot of fun. Uh, Twelve days with my son-in-law, Christopher Bolden. We were side by side for much of it. Uh, he did uh, go a little deeper in the woods than me, up some mountains, and I, I uh, graciously gave him those tough areas. <laughs> Just, you have at it, buddy. And uh, I stayed down around the creeks and things. Of course, the you know the elk, they'll 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 cover all that area so we we thought that was a good strategy he'd go up high and i went down low and uh riding horses uh cooking you know getting up early at four thirty, getting the coffee going that was my job getting the heat turned on in the tent um you know, it sounds like sounds like to, roughing it really i mean we were 25 to 28 at night in that tent there was one night we had a 70 mile an hour wind blow through the camp and uh that was when you find out if you put those tent stakes down well enough. We did. Might also so, find out just how close you are to your son-in-law at that moment, because I understand body heat can help. <laughs> well, we had good, good sleeping bags. It was. Uh, we had great cots. We were not on the not on the ground. We had cots, and and uh, it, it was uh, it was well put together camp. We had the great stuff. We had a, a black stone griddle to cook our steaks and. Uh, we had two nights of seafood gumbo, two nights of steaks. We had uh, sautéed crappie one night. Um, people in Arkansas will appreciate that we uh, ate some some wild game up there. We had uh, duck poppers for, uh, I'm sorry, dove poppers for appetizers a night or two. Just uh, really, would, really would a, you, a would fun you, time. Would you describe dove meat as one of the things that could be gamey? It was not gamey. No, okay. it's it's like chicken, man. <laughs> it's like everything. Yeah. You see any bald eagles? We did. We saw bald eagles. <clears throat> we saw five moose. You know, in our our drainages. You know, the horses they they don't like the moose. Uh, you're too close to them, and and it startles the horse. You better be ready for a little rodeo. Um, I, I should say 
we didn't have a rodeo. They 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 get on high alert and start to move away a little bit. They don't want to be on the trail. They want to be away from the water where the moose are. Um, but we had a great time. Just uh, the snow in in Colorado last winter and in spring was incredibly uh, high, and it and it uh, reduced the elk population by maybe a third. And it just made elk hunting a lot tougher. Um, there were some elk in our area. We just didn't see them. We could see their sign. We could see uh, where they were been bedded down. And, you know, you move to those areas the next day a little earlier, and they moved to another area. I'm sure they heard us coming. Did you hear any of them? Yeah, we did. They talked to us. You know, the bugling. And, uh, of course, I was with Jim Daniel, who's a Colorado and, uh, now. He native of arkansas but he's lived out there 30 something years and has hunted that drainage uh probably 30 times and killed a lot of elk there including some massive bulls um he just uh he's he he can do the bugling and the in the cow calls and all that so he had them talking to him so we knew that either that or there were other hunters talking to him which can happen uh, but it was a lot of fun a lot of adventure uh, we called off the hunt a day early to do some fishing up there. Went and caught some trophy rainbows on the Yampa. Spent a night in Steamboat. Spent a night in Walden. Had chicken fried steaks at the River Rock Inn. And then we moved to Loveland and watched some football. Watched uh, the Arkansas BYU game at Jeremiah and Ginger Gage's house. And you know my, you know, uh, he calls me my grandpa Wyatt Gage, who's eight. We went and hit golf balls and did some other things. Had a lot of fun. So it was a good trip. It is great to be home. That's great. That's great. Yeah, we had you on a couple of Tuesdays ago, so I guess it's been. I guess you were gone for twelve days, right? About two weeks. Yeah. Yeah. It was, yeah so it, it was sounds like a great trip, trip outside of watching the Arkansas BYU game, which yeah, was, was an entertaining but, game. But man, that was that was just a yeah. Bummer. It was frustrating. You know, they just didn't play well, and and for whatever reason, you know, a lot of penalties. Uh, mistakes in the kicking game and uh, they'll have better games and i think they'll be competitive this year in the sec i i when they scheduled this series i thought a split would be good i you know after they got the win out there i thought well now they're going to sweep but that, that didn't happen good teams have a way of rebounding just like i think arkansas will rebound this week byu's a good team i guess is what i was trying to say Clay, who, uh, you know, number 27, Chris Paul really impressed me. Number two, uh, McLaughlin. But out of these defensive end, Jeff Coe, Landon Jackson, who's kind of stood out to you? Yeah, I think they both uh, excelled in spots. Um, I think what you have to look at a lot of times is the matchups. And I thought that 78 for, I don't know his name, for for BYU, he, he was highly touted, and he lived up to what he was billed as, which was a great offensive tackle. I think he did well against Jeff Coat. Um, I think Jeff Coat will have better games than that. And, and it's just, you know, when you get a great tackle opposite you, you see what happens. And that's that's what Arkansas is missing right now. You know, sometimes you see, all right, the, I, I've always believed the team with the best tackles, best ends, will win. And I thought BYU had the best tackles that day. Yeah, and then you ended up in a situation on the last drive where both your starting tackles left the game. You know, you move your left guard to left tackle. You bring in someone off the bench for right tackle. And, you know, when you think about it, 
it's it's not that much of a surprise that the pass rush really did them in on that final drive. But it wasn't the only drive uh, that that the BYU pass rush got to Arkansas. So I mean, you do expect a better played game on Saturday against a, a better team and on the road. Uh, but you know, we try to take these games. Uh, so-called one at a time. What happened one week doesn't necessarily mean the same thing happens the next week. I would anticipate, at least to their standards, playing better on the line. I just wouldn't expect to see another game with 14 penalties because the last time that they had 125 yards of penalties was uh, over 10 years ago. Yeah, you, you'll have SEC referees the rest of the way, and that's, you know, that can be good and bad, but it certainly was an issue where I thought that uh, Arkansas got some penalties that they were looking a little closer than maybe they looked at BYU because I saw holding penalties by BYU that didn't get called. This was a Big 8 crew. You had an SEC crew in Provo last year, and I thought they got some breaks. There were two fumble situations that I thought could go either way, and Arkansas got them both. Um, And that happens. you know. And I, I thought, if you remember when Texas came in, a couple of years ago, that was a Big 8 crew. That was right after Texas announced they're leaving the conference, and I, they did not get a break. I thought Arkansas got just about every call. The replays went their way. Uh, if you remember the the play where, you know, Texas recovered the punt, you know, at the one-yard line, and they ruled that a toe was one inch out. <laughs> you got that call. I didn't think they would. They did. So, Sometimes you need things to go your way. I think uh, having SEC referees this week is is a better situation than having Big Eight refs last week. Clay, let's take a call. I do love the th- the I do love thinking about Big Eight too. When you think about that league, though, they're going to be Big Eight times two pretty soon. <laughs> they be will. a lot larger than than even eight. Uh, we got Charlie with us on hold here on the McClarty Daniel Hotline. Charlie, what's going on? You got Clay Henry with you, Matt Jones, me, and and you, the tuna. All the goats, even Christian, love him too. So all the goats, greatest of all times, right here. I wouldn't say the tune is, but you guys are. Well, so you keep referring to yourself uh, in a nickname, third person. Maybe, maybe you are. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm, I'm not that way. But I, I'll tell you guys. Uh, you know, Clay. I heard John Ruskin and Zach the other day trying to calm those boys down. That's a different crew over there. But uh, I was listening to them, and uh, you, you made a good point. I think about the the whole portal thing and you look at just the SEC's record this year and is this let me ask you this question Clay because been around a long time you know you know the game so is this an outlier season where the SEC is struggling or is this just because the portal let's be real the last few years has made all these other teams better and let's be honest you play against a power five team now I mean maybe there's no guarantees anymore I mean, you got to play well to win. Do you do you think this is an outlier that for the SEC, or do you just think the portal has really evened it out across college football? Yeah, and I think there's. We know about, there, go ahead. I think Sorry. that there is something to that, and I've thought that you know nobody's holding still. You can go out and you know replace what you need. Uh, and if a guy's not playing at an SEC school, he's 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 headed to the portal and. Um, they're going to go somewhere where they can play. And those players are older. Uh, they hit the portal, and you pick them up, and you've got an older, experienced player that's been toughened up in an SEC program or whatever. But so, yeah, that that happens. And uh, part of it is 
the ability to go find a quarterback. You should never be without a quarterback now that the portal and the instant transfer rule is available. So, um, you know, there there's not going to be a situation where you're uh, facing a team rebuilding at quarterback with a freshman or sophomore. They're, they're going to have experienced quarterbacks, and that, that's the great equalizer. Now that's exactly the way that the Pac-12 has, has become, you know, what they are now. And it's, I mean, it's too Those quarterbacks to, to look at just yeah. the quarterbacks, but that's what they're doing out there. Every one of those top 25 teams, I think, outside of Utah, and I don't think Cam Rising has played yet, but Rising did come out of Texas. He just didn't play there. Every one of them. All the other the five quarterbacks. Six of them. I mean, they developed him, and, and boom, there he is, you know, kicking butt at Washington. The other aspect of that transfer portal is that it's, I mean, why, ha, why is college football, uh, why does it involve zero parity at all, and the NFL does? Well, it's really difficult to keep massive collections of talent away from free agency in, in the NFL and in college football, there have been a lot of programs that have just sort of collected incredible amounts of talent, and then you would have wave after wave after wave. That's why we always talk about, like, look at Alabama. What did Clemson do for a, for a while there? They, they stacked up all these great recruiting classes and kept all of those guys there because none of them wanted to sit for a year if they left. Well, now they can leave. Those programs aren't as deep anywhere close as to where they had been, and other programs are. And there's other situation like, um, like A.D. Mitchell leaves Georgia. Why would you leave the defending national champions? Well, because you don't trust who's coming up at quarterback there. He didn't want to catch passes from Carson Beck. He goes to Texas. He sees any one of those two quarterbacks there, Ewers or Manning, is like, I'd rather catch passes from them. So Georgia takes a little bit of a step back at that position. Texas gets a step up. So I, th- I, think, it's, I think it's a depth aspect. I also think it's a, it's a top-of-the-line uh, top talent aspect, too. I mean, we saw that from Drew Sanders, you know, coming from Alabama. He looked like top-of-the-top-talent kind of prospect. He just didn't get the opportunity to show it there. The Year of the Sauce continues at Buffalo Wild Wings. Introducing Bullet Bourbon Barbecue Sauce and the return of hot barbecue sauce to the Buffalo Wild Wings Sauce lineup. Try both Bullet Bourbon Barbecue Sauce and Hot Barbecue Sauce for a limited time at your local Buffalo Wild Wings. Visit Buffalo Wild Wings in Little Rock, Sherwood, Bryant, Conway, Jonesboro, and Fort Smith. Buffalo Wild Wings. Wings, sauce, beer, and football. Hey, sports fans, don't let plumbing issues throw you off your game. Pascal Air Plumbing and Electric is here to tackle those pesky drain blockages and ensure your water heater is always in MVP form. With Pascal's world-class service, you can count on a winning play every time. Whether it's a quick drain clear or a water heater touchdown, Pascal's got the expertise to keep your home running smoothly. Stay in the game and leave the plumbing to the pros. Schedule your service online anytime at gopascal.com. Pascal Air Plumbing and Electric. Are you in need of an attorney? Hickey & Hull Law Partners is your firm. Hickey & Hull understand the importance of client communication, meeting with you, responding to emails, and returning calls. Hickey & Hull are attorneys you can trust to guide you through a divorce or a custody case, criminal charges, or even civil lawsuit. Ready to put their seven decades of experience to work for you and get the best results. Every case is important. Hickey & Hull Law Partners strive to give each client the time and attention it deserves. Visit them at KevinHickeyLaw.com. Hickey and Hull Law Partners. Things are about to get better. And now, back to the podcast. And Clay Henry joining us here on Halftime. We've got an open segment. Got an open hour, so 
You can call or text us at 877-377-6963 as uh, we go throughout our second of three hours on halftime. <clears throat> Safe to say, Matt, um, this Arkansas defense has defended the run very well. They just haven't necessarily faced a really good running team yet, allowing 1.7 yards per carry. Sounds like they might be a little bit healthier up front with Tank Booker uh, returning to full-time play. Uh, LSU is, is a different sort of an animal than you face the first three games because they've got a really mobile quarterback. They've got a good group of running backs, and I think it would be difficult to hold them to 1.7 on Saturday. Yeah, they have, they have five stars everywhere. Uh, the one thing, Phil, I see with this defense that's, that's different than last year is I think we look the part. You know, I think we look bigger. We look a little more physical. Uh, we, we look faster. We look like we tackle better. Uh, I, I, li- I like what I've seen out of the defense. I mean, the with BYU comes back to start the second half, and, and our defense gets back-to-back three and outs. And we just didn't – I mean, we couldn't, we couldn't do nothing with it. Clay, this team, this LSU team, must do very well on first and second down. They're converting almost 58% of their third downs, which tells me they're doing well on first and second and probably doing well running the ball on those downs as well. You know, they've, they've been a pass-pass team. It's 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 really unusual that uh, that they have gone so heavily to the pass. And Jaden Daniels has not scrambled much. Um, they they have uh, now they had trouble protecting him against Florida State against that defensive line, but that settled down last week. And the key will be if Arkansas's ends can get pressure like Florida State did, because that that really was the story of that first game, that they uh, they kept Jaden Daniels under wraps, in the pocket, and then squashed him. Um, and they, they were not an effective offensive team in that game, especially in the second half. Is, is Arkansas's defensive line on the same level as that Florida State defensive line? Probably not, but you might can still – uh, affect the game with pass pressure because they're not a running team. Brian, Brian Kelly wants to pass the ball, and, and it looks like Daniels is uh, a little more comfortable. Another year in the system, and, and last year I don't know if he knew where to go or the concepts, and, and he's just more familiar. Yeah, it was funny. Uh, the post halftime and post game, Brian Kelly was critical of, of Jaden Daniels and that his reads were off. And were uh, that they had open receivers. I I think when 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 the pocket is collapsing around you, you're not as effective in your read. Absolutely, absolutely. And, and they, Matt, they were I, making them uncomfortable. You're right, Florida. Yeah, yeah Florida State's going to do that to a lot of quarterbacks. So one of the things that I watched in the game, um, and I, and I've heard people explain that okay, uh, KJ's not. Uh, not in sync with Danny knows he's not comfortable running that offense well I think he's just fine with that offense he's not fine with the pocket collapsing around him and his defense you know the defensive ends getting upfield and coming inside uh, you know he he's you need to to be confident that your guys are going to give you the time needed to run through your progressions or you get the situation where instead of looking at your receivers, you're looking at where the pressure is coming from. And if you take your eyes off the receiver all at once, you're not going through the progressions, and, and it doesn't look smooth. That's, you look that's like the Alabama quarterback right now. That's, that's, that's kind of how he looked. Milrow? 
Yeah, you've got to have uh, confidence that your ends are going to hold up. I mean, your, your your tackles against those ends, and that's what I saw Jaden uh, Jaden Daniels against Florida State, and that's what I saw a lot with uh, KJ against BYU. He, what do you have, Phil? Two two bad throws really through that interception. Uh, I, I don't think any. I don't think it was KJ's fault uh, as far as that BYU game. I, I just thought we played sloppy. I think you nailed it right away. I mean, we just we did not do the little things right. Yeah, they can play better than they did, and it, and you add it all up, and they just weren't clean. They they they, uh, you know that they made mistakes in the punting game. Uh, you know, the field goal hit off the, the, the upright. You had uh, holding penalties. You had pre-snap penalties. Um, you know, you just it just uh, the running backs weren't good in protection. You know, it wasn't all these offensive line. Uh, Rashad DeBinion, you know, he whiffed twice on pass protections when when they had everybody accounted for except for, you know, the safety coming off the edge, and he came across. He's got to pick up that guy. Here's the thing. They're going to have to play their best game offensively <clears throat> in order to win this one because, uh, I mean, they're averaging, what is it, 31 points a game, but you've had a defensive touchdown in two games. You had the punt return touchdown uh, this last week against BYU. Never a guarantee you're going to get seven points that don't come from your offense. Correct. I'd love to see that happen on a week-by-week basis, but offensively, they're averaging 24 points. The lowest that LSU has scored is 24. Against Florida State, when Daniels was on the run, uh, you know, about half the game. So, and we did, we got to him a little bit last year. You know, we were able to kind of make him uncomfortable. I think that's the thing with Daniels is is you got to, and, and that's what Travis Williams is going to do is is bring the blitzes from different areas and kind of cloudy up that pitcher for him. Yeah, I think you're right, Phil. The, the offense has got to play a little better, but I think you you can uh, uh, you can affect things with your defense, and you know, you'd like to get a turnover here or there, maybe you know return a fumble or something there, there's always odd things that happen in the kicking game but it, it's um they have to go play what i would say is their best game of the season they've been you know they were average in their first two games and they were below average for their talent level in their third game so they have to lift themselves to another level i think they will i think sometimes when you're the hunter you're a lot better when you're than when you're the hunted, and uh, I, you know, I, I think that uh, the advantage is always, all, you know, with the underdog. Well, they're usually and the hunter. Arkansas is a clear underdog this yeah. week. When it comes to playing LSU, Arkansas is usually the hunter, and that might be a reason why there's uh, these games are, in talent. are normally yeah. pretty tight. Uh, let's go to the phones. We got some guys lined up here on the McClarty Daniel Hotline. Nelson and Harrison is first. Hey, Nelson, you're on halftime. Hey, yeah. Hey, I'm doing good, guys. Hope you guys are doing good. Glad to hear you had this fun trip play. And uh, this is what I want to see at LSU. I want to see Brady Latham not have penalties. I mean, he's a captain for a reason. Come on, don't kill the offense, man. I mean, you're uh, you're supposed to be what the other guys are looking up to. You know, take it. And I know he will. He will. Take it up on yourself. And and don't kill drives, which this is what Sam Pittman said. The drive killing penalties and not playing smart, that's what cost us the game. And I also want to see on the youth Satania, you know, somehow, I don't care if it's slot, where, where it is, use the guy. 
get sleep, whatever. And I also want to see this, guys. Uh, KJ is KJ is a good quarterback, but just like on the some of the YouTube stuff I've seen, I'm not sure he's a uh, NFL quarterback. And uh, because of the fact that he's a running quarterback and he's got a deep ball, but he ain't got the intermediate. You know, his intermediate needs needs a lot of work. So, just KJ, trust your reads. Don't be seeing ghosts. Don't be seeing shadows. Throw the ball. If 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 has is open, throw the ball to him. If you got uh, Wilson or whoever it was opening, he had one play where he ran it. It was down like the thirty yard line. He where he ran it and ran it out of bounds. If he would have just looked over to his left and threw it to Wilson, Wilson was wide open. There was nobody. Everybody was going that way. Wilson was over there by himself. Throw it to Wilson and he gets a touchdown. I mean, come on. Just trust your eyes. Trust your trust your ability, KJ. Trust your ability. You are a great quarterback. But trust your ability, trust your receiver, and trust your read. And, and that's all we need, guys. And, and stick with, please, don't do three or four running backs. If you got a hot hand, go to the guy. Thanks, guys. All right, Nelson, thank you very much. I think it's a little difficult to trust to go through your progression and, and everything when you're, you, you might be expecting that you're going to have to be on the run at a moment's notice and that that pocket <laughs> is not holding. Yeah, when, it, when, they're, when they're creeping in on you, and uh, creeping is the wrong word, they're slamming into you. Uh, Craig in Fort Smith says KJ's got to trust his receivers. I think right now what I see is he really trusts Andrew Armstrong. <clears throat> I'm not sure about the rest of the crew. And I'm trying to get in KJ's mind. I can't do that. But when I see that Armstrong leads this team in catches by far, there's more balls being thrown his way, he's the one guy that's getting separation on a routine basis, and no one else is coming close so far to his 18 catches, I think that's where you've got uh, a little simpatico with KJ and Armstrong. I think they're still looking for it from other spots. And then another aspect of it, too, is we talk about um, chemistry between quarterbacks and receivers Matt nobody ever brings up that you got to have time to throw the ball that there's also chemistry with the offensive line and how the quarterback envisions this play unfolding you can see where I'm going here and I don't think everything is in sync there yeah they're they're good on the the other team as well Armstrong he reminds me you remember a guy named Anquan Bolden that uh, he he kind of reminds me a little bit of that he's real tough to the ball he he's 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 real strong-handed uh he, he's a physical guy I like what I've seen out of Armstrong I think Tesla's another guy that when you, when when the D-back is looking at him and not looking at the quarterback Tesla's open you you throw you throw him the ball that head high ball where it, it at worst it's incomplete because he's he's another guy I think that catches the ball well in traffic like he he he's got strong hands as well. I think you're right. It looked to me like BYU played somebody under and over the top at Tesla. That's the guy they tried to take away. And uh, you know KJ's not going to throw into double coverage. You know he you know even if he sees a window he's going to go to the to the you know the easier option where you've got one on one. Um, but I think you'll see uh, Tesla be a factor as the season moves along. And, and, you know, that's the good thing is that he's got Armstrong. And, uh, you know, and I think you, you're, you're going to see Satinia a little bit more. Um, 
you know, it seems like he's, uh, you know, the co- the coaches are growing confidence with him in the way he's catching it in practice. And that, that's another thing. You know, there's a lot of, there was a lot of kind of smoke around, you know, hey, we, we won't sustain you out there the last three weeks. Well, you wasn't catching it in practice. You don't catch it in practice, you don't get the snaps in the game. Prize picks is the most fun I've had winning up to 25 times my money this football season. Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projected stats, and place your entry. Prize picks is a skill-based, real-money daily fantasy sports game. How does it work? Well, you pick two to six players, and if they will go for more or less than their prize picks projection. Prize picks is really simple to play. You can make your picks and submit your entry in less than 60 seconds. Find out all about it at prizepicks.com HTL and use code HTL for a first deposit match up to $100. That's prizepicks.com slash HTL, and use the code HTL for that first deposit match of up to $100. Must be present in certain states. Visit prizepicks.com for restrictions and details. prizepicks.com, daily fantasy sports made easy. You've been listening to Halftime for the last five years. You know, I've been banging the drum about The Athletic. Uh, Great coverage, really great coverage of college football, even with the changes that The Athletic has undergone. Chris Vanini is the senior writer for college football at The Athletic, and he joins us here on Halftime. Hey, Chris, appreciate your time. How are you doing today? I am doing well. Thanks for having me. You got it. we got a big schedule of college football coming up this, uh, this weekend. And uh, you got Arkansas versus LSU. The Hogs are looking for a bounce back. What have you thought of LSU since the loss to Florida State? Well, the LSU we saw last week at Mississippi State is the LSU that we expected to see coming into the year. The team that was going to be very explosive on offense, could really get to the quarterback and get negative plays on defense. We've seen Harold Perkins move back to more of a pass rusher type of role compared to what he was against FSU. So I, I think that's much more kind of in line for what we expect. And obviously the LSU-Arkansas game last year, Harold Perkins basically won that game on his own. So uh, obviously LSU's going to have, have that defense uh, ready for this one. Hey, Chris, Matt, Matt Jones here. Um, from inside the state, you know, Arkansas fans, we, we think we can win every game. What is a real ex- realistic expectations? What do you think? How good can this Razorback team be? Can they win seven games this year? Yeah, I, I think seven games is uh, certainly doable. You just you, you can't lose. You know, there's just, especially in the SEC this year, there's going to be a lot of coin flip games, you know, like, Texas a and is probably a coin flip. Mississippi State, you know, Missouri. They're, they're, the, the conference is not nearly as good as it is, has been in past years. I think we've seen that with, you know, uh, t- Tennessee taking a step back. Florida's been up and down. Alabama's taking a step back. You know, Mississippi State's taking a step back. So I, I think there are winnable games on this schedule. There's just going to be a lot where you, a lot could go either way and you can't afford to lose them. BYU is a game at home really don't want to lose that one because you got to make it up somewhere else but I, I think it's certainly doable as I you know you look at the schedule none of these games uh, other than maybe going to Alabama do I think Arkansas's got no chance but we just saw Alabama nearly you know play USF down to the wire so it's like you look at the schedule anything can happen in almost any of these games 
Well, this division is just nuts. In the last year ever of the SEC West, and it's all, you felt, it was all right, Alabama's going to win the SEC West on an annual basis. Well, LSU jumps up every once in a while. You've seen Auburn jump up. Uh, but that's pretty much it, right? Um, feels like anybody can win it now. I mean, truthfully, outside of maybe Mississippi State, I, I, think, I think given the right situation, uh, facing the right team with injuries, almost anybody can win this division. But who do you see as a favorite right now? I guess I would have to say LSU if we think they've righted the ship. I mean, what, what Alabama did against USF last week, that was the worst performance we have seen from Alabama under Nick Saban ever, I think. I, I, I know they lost to ULM in 2007, but that his first team there at Alabama wasn't full of five-star players and top 100 kids. Like This is a team that should has no business being in a game with USF, which won one game last year. So like, if that's on the table, anything feels possible this year so i would say lsu is the favorite because they have the quarterback because they have the experience and coming off of what they did last year maybe that second half against florida state was just a bad time to have a bad half you know and, and, and maybe they're back on track i'd say lsu is the favorite a sneaky good game I, I think that this week is auburn at texas a&m uh auburn have a chance to to go to college station and, and get a victory again that's another one of these like 50 50 games like Texas A&M, for all the talent we know that they have in the, in the recruiting classes they bring in, they just got boat raced by Miami two weeks ago. So it's like, how good is that team really? Auburn goes to Cal, plays a really ugly game, but comes out with a win. Like, they seem to have some belief there at Auburn. So this is a game, another one of those, that could really go any type of way. And if Texas A&M loses this one, if the Texas A&M defense, which has really struggled, has another bad day against Auburn, going to get some really, really angry voices there in College Station to possibly try to make a change on that side of the ball. So I think Auburn's kind of playing with house money here just because it's the first year with, with Hugh Freeze and everything. But uh, Texas A&M, this is one of those that the Aggies have to win if they want to have the season they think they can have. We had a guest on the show yesterday, Bill King, who uh, hosts mornings on Nashville Sports Radio. He brought up an aspect of that game that I hadn't thought about, uh, and it's revenge for Hugh Freeze against Ross Bjork, the athletics director at a and mm. who was the one who fired Freeze at Ole Miss. I hadn't thought of that at all, but, you know, they'll... All the guys he brought in from the portal, I mean, they're, they're freeze guys now. They, who knows? Maybe that's an aspect that, that, uh, that, that not many people had thought about, but revenge could be an aspect of this game. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it'll be a, it's a fun storyline. I don't think Hugh Freeze is going to coach any harder or the players are going to play any harder. And, you know, I, I forgot who it was. It was a coach 15, 20 years ago who said, like, like five minutes after a game starts, none of that stuff matters. Like, like all the build-up, all the trash talk, nothing, revenge, all that, it goes out the window about five minutes into the game. And I think ultimately that's the case here, especially when it comes to you know an athletic director that not many of these players you know, have any knowledge of probably. Chris, let me hear your thoughts on Ohio State at Notre Dame. Is Notre Dame, do they have the athletes? Are they going to be able to compete? I mean, I know, I know Ohio, Ohio State has to go into to South Bend. Can Notre Dame get a victory? Well, we'll see. I mean, Notre Dame, they've got the quarterback playing now. Last year, you remember that, that, that game against Ohio State was really ugly. They kind of mucked it up for a while before Ohio State pulled away. We know Notre Dame has the quarterback play this year with Sam Hartman coming in. He's looked really, really good. Still not a total believer in the talent at wide receiver that Notre Dame has there, but they, they've, they've 
been playing really well on defense as well. They obviously went to NC State and put a hammer to the Wolfpack. Uh, big thing is, can, can Marvin Harrison get the deep balls and, and, and make the plays downfield? We saw it against Western Kentucky, broke out a little bit after a couple of slow starts for the Ohio State offense. Kyle McCord's the guy. They've got the receivers. They're going to have to hit some some big plays. You know, it is one of those Saturdays where you've got great games uh, that start in the morning, in the afternoon, and at night. I, and I, I usually don't pay that much attention to, to television ratings. But they've been really interesting with, with Colorado right now, obviously. And so you see Ole Miss and Alabama is in the same time slot as Colorado and Oregon. ABC for the Pac-12 game, CBS, of course, for the SEC game. I'm assuming that the ratings might be similar because I think a lot of fans will be switching back and forth between them. But uh, is Colorado America's team? Or are they exactly like the Cowboys in which you either love them or you just despise them? Well, it's interesting. Like, I don't think anybody dislikes Colorado right now. I think at some point they might get a little sick of all the coverage of them, but it's not like Colorado's done much to upset people. People, it just Deion Sanders brings in people who don't normally watch college football. To have 9 million viewers on that game last week, the fifth highest ESPN regular season game ever, and it was a 10 o'clock kickoff that had 8 million viewers at 2 o'clock in the morning. Those are insane numbers, and I'm really, really curious to see if the Oregon-Colorado game, which I think is 3.30 this weekend, if that, if that game gets bigger numbers than Ohio State-Notre Dame, two of the biggest brands in the sport, that will be a fascinating TV business like result that we've never seen before because usually you just rely on the biggest teams that's what's driving conference realignment. But if somebody like Deion Sanders changes the dynamic that much with the TV ratings, like really kind of changes how you might look at things. Should Florida State be worried? Uh, how, how can Clemson get get a how can Clemson get a dub against Florida State? Well, we got to see how Jordan Travis, the quarterback, is. He got hit late in the first half against Boston College. He played in the second half, but what didn't really run as much in Boston College rallied and nearly tied that game up. So. Uh, I'm very curious how healthy Jordan Travis is going to be. There's a Florida State offense that is incredibly explosive, should be able to score a lot of points, um, They're going, to, but they're going to have to protect Jordan Travis. Clemson can always rush the passer. They've always got a good defensive line, so uh, they're going to have to keep him healthy first and foremost and see if the offense can uh, build off of maybe what Boston College did in the second half last week. Like If Boston College could move the ball on Florida State, then Clemson's got a chance to. So I, I think those are the two things that I'm – uh, looking at what about Colorado Oregon I mean we talked about the ratings it'll be a really good game on the field uh, Colorado needed double overtime and a huge comeback against Colorado State and I mean their fans have rushed the field two weeks in a row a lot of emotion they got to travel they're going to a tough place it's going to be crazy there in Eugene uh, is this is this where it's not that the run ends is is this where they take their first L I think so I mean Oregon I think it's like a 21 point favorite we're just a lot, but Colorado is near the bottom of the country in rush defense. They're near the bottom of the country in protecting the quarterback. And that's two areas I think Oregon's going to do very well. Oregon can run the ball. Uh, Quarterback, running back, what have you. I expect them to do that quite a bit and just kind of wear down Colorado. You take out Travis Hunter, who's not playing, one of the best players on both sides of the ball. That's a factor as well. I do think the, the undefeated run ends here, and I do think Oregon gets a win pretty lopsided but to this point Colorado is still better than I would have expected 
Can I get, Chris, from you like a 50,000-foot a, uh, view on college football? We're talking about the here and now. Game's coming up this weekend. What happened last weekend? The normal stuff that you usually talk about in this sport. But it's just massive changes. And I think sometimes I would like to go back and hit the reset button, put the Pac-12 together, keep some of these leagues the way that they were, um, maybe not the 14 playoff, but I think there's validity to the idea that maybe uh, most years there's only three teams that are worthy of a national title. I don't think this is one of those years. I don't think we know who the national title-worthy teams are yet. But with the changes that are coming up in college football, all the leagues changing, one league with such great history just disappearing, and 12 teams in the playoff after this year, uh, is college football in a good place, or is, or is it in a spot where, I mean, you got it. The money is the money. It's great money, but it, it, it feels like the foundations of the sport are, are teetering to where it just doesn't look like it used to, and you may have to separate the sport apart from the rest of the sports in college. Well, the game itself is in a great place. TV ratings are up. Attendance was up last year. Like, that's kind of what I think frustrates a lot of people. Like, look, transfer NIL, all this stuff, it's not making a material difference to the fans and stuff like that. But then you've got all these other things changing soon for the sake of money, and this is the last year of college football as we know it. We're going to have one fewer power conference next year. We're going to have an expanded playoff. We're going to have a conference that goes from L.A. to to Seattle to New Jersey. We're going to have a Big 12 that goes from uh, Arizona to West Virginia to Florida, and it's just, it's going to be a completely different world next year. And um, we'll see how that goes. I mean, I, I think the sport is in a good place right now, but there are a lot of these outside factors that are being changed that I do wonder long-term that could happen. You've got court cases and, and various things in the mix right now. Could players become employees at some point? Like, that's a major thing that could come down the line. So everything of what we like on Saturdays continues to be great, and I think that's going to stay that way, but there are a lot of outside noise factors that could make their way in you know, within the next few years. Chris, we'll leave it there. I, I appreciate you making time for us and hopping on. You do great work covering college football at The Athletic and the rest of your crew, too. Love the podcast, so hopefully we can do this again sometime. Yeah, thanks for having me. You're listening to the Eastside Liquor Halftime Podcast. Check out the Bud Light Morning Rush Podcast at hitthatline.com. This podcast is an exclusive property of Pearson Broadcasting. It may not be copied, reproduced, modified, published, uploaded, reposted, transmitted, or distributed in any way without Pearson Broadcasting's prior written consent. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.